This is an APAC EO production. Welcome to episode 79 of the EO Business Podcast for APAC. I'm Brendan Tarazzi, the host of the show, and today I'm with a very special guest, Nathan Chan from Founder, a Melbourne YPO now. Good morning. Hey, Brendan. Thanks so much uh, for taking the time to speak with me today. Excited to be on the other end of the microphone. It's been a long time, to be honest. I don't really do interviews like being interviewed. I'm, I'm not used to the special one. So um, how long have you been doing podcasts for? Because I know I first heard you, I don't know, when you were in the 50s or 60s episode, and now what, you're almost up to 400, aren't you? Yeah, something insane. <laughs> um, yeah, and there will be a day where I replace myself. I think that's true to kind of the things you learn at EO, right? Like how do you build a truly scalable business? How do you not be the bottleneck? Um, and we're launching a network now, like with many shows. So yeah, but I've been doing it for, well, look, since I started Founder, when I started with the magazine only, I started doing these interviews, right? And just recording them to write them up or type them up and um, for the magazine. And, and for a couple of years, I used to just embed them in the magazine mm-hmm. and then, um, yeah. So look, if, if you, if you, the, the podcast, like I've been running fan for about seven, eight years now. Um, but the podcast itself has been out publicly for, I'd say about five years. And, and if you talk about doing interviews, I've been doing them since I started founder. It's, um, it's kind of crazy. I probably, yeah, I probably interviewed like hundreds. Yeah. Like maybe Yeah. Like, yeah. And then like, a lot of extremely successful people. So, so that was one of the questions I was curious about, like in the early days when you were just getting started, how did, cause you've had some amazing, like, as you said, amazingly successful people on the show. How did you, how did you get them to agree to come on when you were first starting? Yeah. So um, it's kind of crazy, right? Like in the early days, no one used to get back to me. Um, uh, no one used to get back to me. It used to, I, I used to hassle people to try and get an interview and I, I was relentless. Right. And these are with not well-known founders. So we're just getting it all going. Um, but what, so, so it's funny cause people only see the well-known founders, you know, like we've got, you know, we're, we, we're just locking in a, an interview with like Reed Hoffman, the founder of LinkedIn. Like, like, and this is kind of like, these are the kind of caliber of like impact kind of founders that we 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 speak to now but not always still right so people on news people don't remember people don't remember like or don't see the early days so for me um what what happened in the early days to be honest with you brendan was was i didn't get a lot of really successful really um like you know hard to reach people at the start i started where everybody else started the only difference was is i used the magazine as a tool to influence and build rapport and authority for the brand and the opportunity. So if, if I say in the early days, hey, do you want to be featured on the front cover? But part of it, we need to do an audio interview too. Yeah. Then, then there's a bit more weight. So I was able to accelerate that a bit more. But um, another way I did it as well is I learned very, very quickly that People are open to doing interviews, extremely time poor, successful people are open to doing interviews 
when they want to do interviews. So have they launched a book? Like I cannot stress enough. Um, If they have launched a book, then that is the time. So like, for example, Michael Dell, like we were trying to interview Michael Dell. He's just recently launched a book. We probably missed the boat there because he's already doing the rounds. But how we could have gone onto it faster, and sometimes we miss, sometimes we don't. We still, we still we get challenged around who we can get someone's time. Is on the Amazon. Um, if you go to Amazon and in the book section, there's an Amazon coming soon list, and in uh, there you can select categories. So if you select the business category, you can see six months in advance the publishers have submitted these books because they know that they're coming. And then you go and speak to the publisher, build a relationship with these publishers or the PR that's in charge, if they're using their own PR or outsource PR. And then from there, you say, hey, I know you got the book. I know you will have, you know, you're looking for press. Here's how we can sell more books. Yeah. And then you can do some other creative things, right, over time. Or if, if you can afford to now, say, hey, I'll buy a thousand books or 500 books. But and as part of this promotion, and I'll give them away to my listeners, right? Oh, you see, you see, I'm going with this. I, I do, yeah. I think um, I remember Sydney EO did a similar thing with Malcolm Turnbull there when he had a, when he had a book coming out, and they bought, you know, they bought basically everyone in the chapter his biography, and I yes. think he agreed to do a uh, he did an interview as part of that part correct, of that thing. So, correct. so, so this is this this is how you get in touch with hard to reach people, right? This is. Mm-hmm. These is kind of how you work with talent. It's it's all about what's in it for them. Yeah. Um, and like, yeah, if they're looking to do an interview, if they're not, sometimes it can be really, 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 really difficult. So there's people that we'd still love the interview, but they're not looking right now. Like, you know, like we randomly last week, last minute, we did an interview with the founder of Quora. He was mm-hmm. one of the early stage um, uh, employees at Facebook um like in extremely successful guy billionaire and that just come up real fast like he's not looking to do press but you know we, we got in touch one week bang we did the interview so it, it's a bit of hit and miss but that that's the best tip i can give you and that's what i did in the early days to help, help uh, accelerate do you do you still get nervous when you're speaking to some of these people yes, yes. <laughs> i think that i think that's normal right it's like if you it's like putting on a performance or speaking on stage you it doesn't matter how long you do it for, you still get those butterflies in your tummy. Yeah, I never forget someone once said, that's what Eric Clapton said. It, when, he's, when he's like playing in front of you know, 50,000 people, he still feels that. Yeah. And I'm the same. Yeah. Great. Um, well, I first came across you actually through a mate of mine who was part of the entourage in Sydney. And he said, oh, there's this guy in Melbourne and he's really, really good at Instagram. And he, I think, was it was Instagram domination. Was that your first foray into? Um, yeah, I don't know. Dig, platform, digital. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah. He's gone on to him and his wife have gone on to create this really successful social media agency for cafes. But tell us about those early days. Like, was it Instagram that you sort of like? I'm trying to piece together that you. So you had the magazine. You started the podcast. You're kind of doing Instagram. Is that they kind of all weaved into each other or? Yeah, yeah. Let me tell you, unpack that. So um, long story short, I started the magazine um, 
really just to find work that I was passionate about. I used to work in IT support, um, crawling under people's desks, fixing people's computers. And uh, I, I felt that I could do so much more and wanted to do so much more. I wanted to find work that I was passionate about. So ended up starting this magazine, fell into it around entrepreneurship and then launched the podcast. And I did it while I was working in my day job. And in, in one year's time, I went full-time on it. So it was a side hustle. I went full-time on it. And then started looking to grow it, grow the magazine and uh, was trying different channels. Uh, one of the channels that I landed on was Instagram. So that was what now, five, six years ago. And used that channel to really grow the magazine subscription base. And then, you know, as, as kind of building out the brand and building out this kind of content-based platform, then I wrote a blog post on how I grew the founder Instagram account from zero to 10,000 followers in two weeks. And it was, you know, true to founder form, just really outlaid it all, like really deep dived. And, and that, that blog post went semi-viral and then people started reaching out to me and say, hey, can you consult for my business? Um, hey, can you do this for me? Or can you, can you do this for me? And I'm like, I just want to grow founder. And then people are like, well, do you have a course? So then um, I was like, no, I never thought of doing courses or anything of the sort, right? And then I did this kind of workshop. You know, now they do cohort. It was a cohort-based course, right? And uh, it took off. And then I started, you know, doing this course. And it's like, oh, well, wait a second. There actually might be something here. There's no like well-known kind of, you know, Skillshare or Udemy or Masterclass purely focused on entrepreneurship. Why don't I try and get the people that we're interviewing to also teach on our platform as a further way of giving back? And that's kind of a real kind of um, mission that we're on to really democratize entrepreneurial education now as well through free and paid content. But that's how I landed there, um, if that kind of makes sense. And yeah, Instagram's been a very, very big, powerful channel for us to to grow founder and, and to build the brand. So what did you end up growing that account into? The Instagram account be millions, yeah, think, millions um, of followers or yeah, yeah. So we've got millions of followers. I think I, I don't even I don't even keep that track. So at the moment we're at three point three million followers. Amazing. And it would be one of the largest. Um, it would be one of the largest brands, Instagram brands in Australia. Yeah. Uh, and it grows usually around a thousand to two thousand new followers a day. Yeah, amazing. I, I take it you got a blue tick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> very coveted, yeah. very coveted. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Excellent. So, like, fast forward through to today. So, you started with that one Instagram course. Mm. How many courses do you have now on the platform? What about 20, 20, 22, 23. Okay. Um, and we're really trying to scale that out. It's been a yeah. real journey, um, especially because we haven't raised any capital. Yeah, and this is my first business. There's been a lot of learning, um, and uh, yeah, I can probably share this publicly. Like, we're going to launch a membership, like an all-access pass. Ah, oh, well, that yeah. that was actually you beat me to it, Nathan. That was one of my questions. Like, are you going to have a subscription to all the courses? And yeah, yeah. So we're, we're that's what we're prepping for, and um, yeah, early next year. That's that's going to be the play. Um, yeah. So uh, that means we're really going to have to accelerate content production and i'm rebuilding my whole leadership team right now and we're just we're just getting everything ready and working on refining it all out but yeah that that's that's going to be the model what it's looking like i I guess then you like a lot of um 
businesses these days that want to have that SaaS model or recurring revenue coming in every month. And But I guess on the flip side of that, what you're saying is you've got to continue to add value. Otherwise, people don't continue to subscribe, I guess. Yeah. Well, look, it's renting, right? Like yeah. you're, you're renting versus owning, right? Yeah. There's this big yeah. movement. And um, to be honest, I've wrestled with it for quite some time, Brendan, like, do we, do we, do we have a subscription model? Do we not? What does that look like? Mm. Um, and it's that, honest- it's that abyss going from, you know, a paid course through to subscription, that middle part that you've got to have that faith to keep going. Cause I think revenue will go down before it goes up. Yeah. Look, how we're going to approach it, I can talk about it, but um, like the pricing that, yeah, we're, we're working on just switching up some offers and, and so yeah. it, won't, it won't be that disruptive, but, mm. um, and we're probably looking to focus on annual versus yeah. monthly. Gotcha. We, we might, yeah. we might add in monthly once we get annual really working well, but the re- that's part of, honestly, part of the reason that I've kind of delayed it for a long time is, is we tested a content-based membership before and the churn was, was pretty high to be honest. Um, And I've realized though, that when you make this fundamental business model shift, I think there's going to be a lot of inherent simplicity that will help us scale faster. And then there'll be more predictability of cash flow as well. But then also on top of that, um, it's the opportunity for us to really go, you know what, how can we build a 10x product in the marketplace? Like how do we build a course platform that everyone knows about? It's an online business school. It's, you know, a thousand, two thousand dollars a year where it's insanely cost affordable and the people that are teaching that thing have actually done it. And we can say this product is out of the, out of this, like out of this world. And that's what I've really kind of connected with now versus yeah. worrying about churn, worrying about will it work, will it not work, and just saying, you know, let's just go for this thing, right? Let's just go for it and let's just build an exceptional product that is so good that, yes, any content-based subscription, it's different to SaaS. There's no utility, um, so there's no lock-in, but that's an opportunity still for us, right? Um, yeah. So, that, that's kind of the, re- I want to be open, honest, transparent. That was kind of the wrestling, how it's taken us a while to get there. But, and, and we, it's taken a while to work out how to scale courses. We still, you know, in the grand scheme of things, don't have that many comparative to many other course platforms. You know, we, yeah. So it's, it's been an interesting journey. So the authors or subject matter experts that you get on, are they typically already course providers or do you have to help them tease the content out? Yeah. So we're strategically looking for people that are doing so well with their business that they are not really looking to produce a course or if they are, it's a way to give back and it's through our platform and they're not looking, they might be looking to build a personal brand, but that's not their business. Their focus, like for an example, like there's a lot of stuff out there on Amazon FBA. We've seen that, that our audience want to know how, how, like, what does that look like? Um, so we've found somebody that's so busy building their own Amazon FBA businesses that they are very happy to teach on our platform. Just, just tell us what FBA is for people that don't know ah, that. Yes. Yeah. Amazon for, so fulfilled by Amazon. So basically right. you send the product to Amazon and then all you have they to do handle the, all the logistics yep. and all of that. Yep. Sort of you stuff. just list yep. it on their, on their platform. So, so that's a great example where 
you know, uh, Melissa, she, she's focused. She just wants to focus on building a business, not selling um, or building a course-based business or anything like that. So, so that's that we want to look for people that have done it ideally multiple times, but, but are actually doing it and have a business and that's their focus. So, so founders really like founders and entrepreneurs. I guess it's a good process as well, because as entrepreneurs, we have so many things swimming around in our heads. And if you put it down as a course, you're kind of unpacking the step-by-step what Mm. you actually do. You think it's one step, but it's probably 10 steps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So look, we have a process. We 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 do yeah the full kind of uh, concierge service where we work with that person and we unpack all the knowledge and yeah shoot it or take care of everything, take care of all the marketing and yeah the people that the people that teach on our platform they're doing it because they want to build their personal brand, they want to give back and mm. uh, they want to find a way to kind of monetize their knowledge, but How- without having to to run it all themselves. Yeah, yeah. So you do all the back end and the yeah. platform, all of that sort of thing. How long does it take to build a course like what would be the shortest amount of time and the or the average amount of time I should probably ask yeah look it's usually building a course like with our process usually we bundle in the marketing with it and we build it all it all in once um mm. but to actually produce a course we can produce it in four to six weeks and that's not just just focusing on that that's with somebody or many people doing other things at the same time yeah but yeah, usually our process would take anywhere between four to six weeks on 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 production and post. So I'd say, look, between two to three months per course. Yeah, fair enough. Um, and then I'm interested to hear about, so you moved up to YPO from EO. Um, what are the differences? Like what have you found? Because I've heard sort of both, you know, it's a, it's a different league in YPO, like the, the calibre of people but is there culturally some differences between eo and ypo in melbourne yeah very 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 interesting um i'll be honest uh so i i still haven't been put in a forum yet oh right okay um look and that that is that is by my choice right that's my choice right um i just haven't found the right forum for me um, but that's that's been interesting. Um, I found that that in the culture of YPO uh, forum placement, for whatever reason, like my experience, and I've heard from others' experience, it takes a while. You have to be yeah. prepared to wait. Yeah. Um, as opposed to EO, you get slotted in pretty quickly. Um, and then uh, look, the caliber of events from my experience are are very, very, very good. Um, yeah. I, I've found the caliber of events to be really good. Um, the people are different though, right? Cause you've got a lot of executives and CEOs. Um, so it's interesting. It's not like, you know, EO is all entrepreneurs, um, or people that have started. So there's a lot of family businesses in YPO. There's a lot of execs, there's a lot of CEOs. It's only about, I think it's about 30, 30% founders. Yeah. Um, so yeah, look, I really like it. Um, and what's been interesting to me is now I'm starting to build out my leadership team. I haven't spent that much time. I tend to spend time with the founders, right? Now I'm spending time with, with executives and, and professional CEOs. And I'll tell you what, you can learn a lot from these kind of operators. Um, yeah. So it's, it's been an, a very interesting, great lens for me um, and, and networking. But yeah, look, I'd say the different, the key differences are 
the, the, there's a little bit of a difference in culture. Um, EO is less partner focused. YPO is very partner focused. All the events, like I, I take my partner, my fiance, Emily, um, and it's encouraged, almost yeah. assumed. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's assumed that you, you, it's, it's like, yeah, you, you kind of, and so they're very, yeah, it's much, it's, yeah, even, even the partner forum, like it's kind of like they're, like Emily's not in the partner forum yet, but it's kind of like she will join. Like it's, it's, it's less kind of, yeah. So that's been interesting. And that's a big difference. And yeah, I think, I think from what my experience is, the event, the events, the events are, are probably better. Um, okay. Yeah, that's just being honest. I think the events are better. And um, yeah, they run it like a well oiled machine for whatever reason. I think it's run better, but it's a difference in culture. It's, a, it's yeah. a difference in culture around forum. I haven't joined a forum yet. That's a bit weird. Um, uh, yeah. And the people are different. Yeah. And so how long ago did you join? And it's also been a bit of a weird time in the last, you know, with the pandemic yeah. and all of that. So that's probably yeah. slowed things down a bit. Yeah. So I only joined this like the start of this year. So I don't oh, right. remember that long. Yeah. 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 So you've, you've built founder, I guess, into a, like I view it from, from an external view. It's, it's really a publishing company, isn't it? It's like an online publishing company. What, how many staff do you have now? Like you started, you know, you were sort of moonlighting, getting it all going. And that was, it seems like you had really fast growth. Like how, yeah. how many staff have you got now? Yeah. Look, um, Growth has been, yeah, it's just been fast. No, I think there's much faster out there. Yeah, it's just me. We're bootstrapped as well, like all self-funded. Um, so we've got around fifty, I'd say fifty, fifty-five staff. Yeah, um, and uh, yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting how like what category people put us in. Are we ed tech, online ed tech? Are we publishing? Are we media? Um, yeah, it's. It's very sticky, the whole digital marketing space, like, you know, people that want to get started. And, I mean, there's a, there seems to be a lot of publishers around doing this sort of thing. It, how do you sort of stand out from that? Is it the, the calibre of people that you get on? Yeah, you're right. Look, the, the space is getting more and more competitive and the market is getting – the market is growing. Um, but the way that we stand out is – I think two ways where, 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 however you look at us um, it's, it's the media component. It's the quality of our content and the stories that we tell and the, the, the content rich experiences that we share um, through, through, through that talent, or it's the quality of our products. Um, so really when I think about founder, really we're a talent based business and it's really the talent that drives the story and it's the experiences that are being shared. Right. So that's what makes us stand out quality of product, quality of content, quality of talent um, and quality of experiences shared and stories shared uh, in many different formats, right. Whether it's audio, whether it's video, whether it's written, whether it's pre-recorded video, whether it, yeah, we haven't gone into events yet, but um, it's community. Right. So so that is that is how we stand out. But the 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 moat, the way the real question is, what is our moat? Um, I believe it's it's going to be our, our media property. That that is that is that is our moat. The more content that we produce, the more high quality content that we produce at scale. And you know, we we produce 
at least 150 unique pieces of individual content per week. Oh my god! Uh, and Here I, and I, I am scrambling to uh, get the next podcast <laughs> out. And <laughs> uh, to be honest, I want to get that to a thousand uh, in the next couple of years. Amazing! And and the way we'll do that is through podcast network. We had an office in New York. We shut it down because of COVID and all that kind of stuff. But having offices east and west coast producing content and courses out of east and west coast, so LA and New York, and scaling out a podcast network building a large um, a large encyclopedia of articles of everything you need to know how to start a grow a business. And then, yeah, really scaling up our video content and series there uh, and then distributing it on different social channels. And then, yeah. Um, it's all traffic back to the website, which is then they get introduced yeah. to the whole, that whole subscription Ecosystem, model. Yeah. 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 So, so, Basically, the, the, the larger that we build our media, uh, so, so the way that you build a large-scale media property is really by quality of content at scale. So the more we produce, um, the, the larger the user base and the user base in effect is our community, right? And the stronger the relationships and trust and rapport we build with that community, that is our moat. Yeah. And so- It's authority. Um, yeah. Yeah, that, yeah. And that community, that is our moat. So yeah. that, is, that is what- you know, if someone comes along and, and wants to do something similar, that's, that's, or, and there are people doing something similar, that is what we're building. That's, that's how I see things. That's brilliant. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Nathan. Um, if people want to find out more about uh, you and Founder, what's your website? Yeah, just go to founder.com without the E. Okay. We'll put that in the show notes as well. So it's nice and easy for everyone. Awesome. Great. Well, it's been great speaking to you. Thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate your time. You've been listening to an APAC EO production. I hope you've been enjoying listening to the podcast. If you are, it'd be great if you could help us out by leaving us a review and sharing this with friends and colleagues.